Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. Hey, Erica. Hi, Hunter. God, we started it out weird. You know what? It's been weird because I feel like we both, like, we've been traveling a fair bit. If y'all can hear, my audio quality is much better than last week. Still moving into my new home. You know, the audio is not quite there. I definitely need to get some little like dampening so it doesn't sound so echoey. Maybe a rug. I, I swear to God, there's furniture in there. I will have to show y'all on TikTok at this point. Believe me, I do have furniture in there. It's just, it's very echoey because it's all wood. It's old house. It's cute, but very echoey. So if we sound a little different, if, we're, if things are getting a little switched up, that's why. Lots of travel, lots of places, lots of, lots of just chaos. Like, I mean, Erica, you had a busy week. Yes. Yes. I got my hair done. So if this video ever sees the light of day, <laughs> it's a growing phase. Me and Hunter were just talking about we were just it. Talking and... about it. Hair is such a process that people don't fully account for that. Like as a man, I'm so lucky. I don't have to worry about it. I could fry my hair because guess what? It's fine. It's going to get cut off next time I go in anyways. But girls, honestly, even guys with long hair or they's with long hair, y'all have it rough. If you are trying to dye it, color it, do anything to it. It is rough out there. And I respect the hustle. Yes. My personality is born to be blonde. Um, I don't know what my hair color was like when we recorded our episode. I think it was like very, very minimally blonde. But yes, I am a personality blonde. However, my genetics and the way I was born just told me, no, you're going to be like dark brown. So fighting against that natural inclination of my hair is a rough journey for me, but, um, yeah. So we were talking about that and Hunter, you just threw me off so much when you were like, hi everyone. I was like, or you I said, know, hi I everyone. Threw myself off a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I was so ready to say hi Hunter. And then you were like, threw me a curveball. So like, you know, here we are. Cool. It's period. We're going for it. We're trying yeah. to guess. So, but with that being said, with, you know, this little catch up, I always love catching up with everybody. I feel like it's fun, you know, just have a little kiki. It's all just a good time. But so with that being said, Erica, what are we going to be talking about today? We're talking about the International Space Station, which I think is a great topic because space has been really in the news lately because of that new microscopes, like mm -hmm. images. Yes. I saw the video where, you know, that one video where it like takes you and then like zooms out all the way to show like the depth of space i don't think i've <laughs> seen that one but i've seen all the pictures like on tiktok going through talking about the new telescope like it's crazy they are space oh, is so scary yeah, telescope. but it's also so beautiful <laughs> i think i said microscope a microscope uh, apologies <laughs> apologies correction i meant telescope you know what? we're hot girls hot girls make mistakes too <laughs> microscope telescope it's all within it's a the scope, scope. And it's, within, it's I hated science. That, but it's fine. It is within the scope <laughs> of things. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you should check out that video though, because it shows you like the, like you and then zooms out, and there's nothing that makes you feel more insignificant in the world and like nothing matters than seeing how little we are in we the grand scheme of space. On the website, like in the source material. <laughs> yes, yes. But that is, we're talking about the International Space Station. Uh, so, yes. perfect timing. Absolutely. So I'll just jump right on into it. So first of all, space, the space station. So the International Space Station is just such a small component of space. I always like talking about it. I think it's so fascinating. So if you guys want more episodes on space, like, please feel free. I would love to do a whole episode just on Space Forces. Honestly, Erica, we're going to make that an episode right now. 
y'all are hearing the brainstorming sesh live, we will be making a Space Force episode. I didn't even know <laughs> there was a Space Force. I, yes. Multiple I'm over here thinking it's like Star Forces. Wars. Yeah, no, multiple countries have Space Forces now. So pretty interesting, pretty exciting. So we will do, be doing an episode on that. But for now, we're just going to be focusing on one very, very, very small aspect of space, which is the International Space Station. So jumping right into it, and this is coming straight from NASA, a straight direct quote. The International Space Station, otherwise known as ISS, program's greatest accomplishment is as much a human achievement as it is a technological one. How best to plan, coordinate, and monitor the varied activities of the program's many organizations. So there's so much going on with the ISS. There's so many different things like going on literally just with the ISS, but then also there's so many countries that make a part of it as well. So the ISS, the agreement for it, it was launched in 1998 and it still is continuing to be assembled in orbit. And so members of the ISS include the US, Russia, Canada, Japan, and select European countries. So with the Russia component, we will talk about that a little bit more later in this episode. But just going through, so you have the U.S. and NASA, or the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. You have Russia with their space agency. It's called Roscosmos, or Roscosmos, but it's also sometimes referred to as the RSA for the Russian Space Agency. You have Canada with the CSA, the Canadian Space Agency, Japan with JAXA, or the JIP, Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency. And then you have Europe with the ESA or the European Space Agency, which this is comprised of a few different space agencies within Europe. So the countries that make up the ESA are Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway, Spain, Sweden, and the UK. So all of those countries together make up the ESA. And so the agreement was signed in 1998, and it supersedes those that were signed without the Soviet Union in 1988. And it's also inclusive of new agreements that were made in 1993 by including a lot of Russian participation in this. I feel like they're going to need to revamp their agreement due to current events. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to get to that part of this episode. Yes. But so going into the International Space Station, ISS, and going discussing the contents of the agreement, we're going to highlight some of the articles. Obviously, an agreement with that that is very international has so many different components to it. But us hot girls are going to be telling you just like the main parts of this agreement that we feel is important to share. So directly from our source of the Department of State of the United States of America. We have Article 1 talking about the object and scope of the ISS, and it talks about the peaceful use of the station in accordance with international laws, that the agreement will discuss mechanisms and arrangements. The U.S. will lead the initiative, how, which no surprise at all. Of course, surprise. the United States is like, let me be the one to do this. Well, especially because like it was right after like you know the Soviet Union collapsed, like the U.S., like the clear hegemon in the world, like, you know, the U.S. was kind of, it was just kind of there. It was like the only one that was really like, yeah, okay, you can lead the charge. Well, the United States and Russia are responsible for the foundation. So mm -hmm. I bet there's a clash there. And Europe and Japan are responsible for enhancing the station's capabilities. Canada will be responsible for something. It doesn't say, though. So 
literally <laughs> just says Canada's contribution will be an essential part of the space station, and that's which I think is very fitting. Agreement that, that like it doesn't really go like in depth. Like it was saying like, oh, the U.S. and Russia will be responsible for this. Like this is what Europe and Japan will be responsible for. And then literally word for word is a direct quote: Canada's contribution will be an essential part of the space station. So like. Y'all could have said a little bit more of this agreement. Like it does later on, but like, come on. Like, and Canada. (laughs) Okay, Canada. It's fine. It's not like Canada has some of the largest territory in the entire world, but like, whatever, who cares? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It will be. So going on for article one, it will be permanently inhabited and be a multi-use facility in low orbit. Mm-hmm. And going on to Article 2, International Rights and Obligations, which talks about the prior treaties or international laws governing the s- governing space, like the Outer Space Treaty, the Rescue Agreement, the Liability Convention, and the Registration Convention. So mm-hmm. I already see, like, Liability Convention, it's like, of course you have that, just in case, like, Absolutely. you decide to sue a country. <laughs> And also, just like fun fact for y'all, if y'all ever did do Model UN, this whole thing, it literally reads just like a Model UN, like resolution. Like it really does. Like the entire thing, it's like, oh, recognizes, considers, like things like, like you have like all of like your verbiage there. Like it's just, it's really funny because it's like, you know, yeah. Model UN really did prepare us to go through and like read through these documents. There is a few, one thing missing compared to the resolutions that we made in Model UN. And that would be like something in there saying condemning the actions. Like there's always, <laughs> there's always one that slips in there. It, that's it's like, not very angry. <laughs> it's like condemning the actions of states that abuse human rights. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's always something in there. It's not very angry spice. Like it's pretty like hey, we're all going to cooperate. It's going to be really great. Like, you know. Yeah. So article four going on to cooperating agencies. So it uses a lot of memorandums of understandings like China does with the Belt and Road Initiative, which like, man, I should have had Hunter read this one because- If y'all- You had to include the BRI, BRI didn't you? Absolutely. You just had to. Of course I did. Because like we talked about MOUs in the BRI segment. So like, if you remember that MOUs are still being like used today with China. And then you also had like the US that was going and like talking about all these MOUs with Japan, Canada, Russia, Europe. Like it's just great. It's just, you know, all of these countries, they they do things pretty similarly at the end of the day. It's just like how exactly they go about doing it, that that's kind of the difference, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we know. But uh, going on to Article 5 for registration, we have jurisdiction and control, which each country is responsible for its own things, except in the case of the European Space Agency, in the case of the European countries, since they're acting on their since it's acting on their behalf. So pretty much everyone just kind of makes sure they keep to themselves, mind their business, follow the laws as they should. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then we go into Article 6, which talks about ownership of elements and equipment. So pretty much each partner has their ownership over their own things. The ownership is not allowed to be transferred to any non-partner or private entity unless all partners agree, and it does require prior notification. So pretty standard. You know, you don't want everyone to just be like bamboozled because all of a sudden Russia's like, yeah, you know, we're really upset with y'all. So we gave North Korea one of the satellites like no like it doesn't work like that like everybody needs to be on board with it and so there's also it it talks about ip a little bit so it talks about ip more in another article 
But for research coming from the ISS, since it is so collaborative, it really focuses on sharing and collaboration as well. And Hunter, would you like to clarify what IP is for all of our hot yes, girls? Yes, yes, yes. So IP is intellectual property. So it goes along with WIPO, which is the World Intellectual Property Organization. I feel like we talked about that in another episode. I forget which episode we talked about it in, but I do know that we talked about WIPO a little bit. And so. Yeah, the, I think we did. I think we did. Yeah, because I definitely remember typing in for the tags on one of the sourcing posts. I just forget which episode it is. But, you know, it's one of those things. Oh, it was, I think that it was the UN episode because WIPO is one of it's related to the UN. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So pretty much that goes by the WIPO standards regarding intellectual property, but it really does stress collaboration. So Article 7 goes into management. So management is multilateral and it is consensus is really the goal here for all decision making. So they really want all of the partners to be on the same page and making those same decisions. And so. Love that. With, yeah. So like with that being said, though, the U.S. or NASA, they're ultimately in charge of the overall program management coordination. And this comes into play when you're talking about overall system engineering and integration, establishment of overall safety requirements and plans, and overall planning for and coordination of the execution of overall integrated operation of the ISS. And so then with that, though, you have the other actors being responsible for their own versions of those things, like safety and how you're going to come up with those safety requirements and really giving them to the U.S. and NASA so there can be a really holistic approach to that issue. So you're seeing that it, it really is collaborative. It's just the U.S. kind of like oversees it and is just in charge of taking in everyone's notes on the matter so everyone can kind of come to a decision. Nice, nice. Going into Article 9, we have utilization. And so it says whatever partner provides user elements can retain use of those elements unless otherwise specified, which I know Article 2 is definitions and we kind of skipped over that, but or no, Article 3 was definitions. But I would just like to know exactly what are these elements? Like, are we talking about like periodic table elements? Are we talking about like international intellectual property elements? So like, I it gets into it kind of a little bit later of where it talks about the user elements kind of being like different like research modules and stuff within the ISS. So it doesn't go like super in depth because like it's just the agreement framing everything. It doesn't have like the exact like niche like laboratories that they're using, but it's kind of like those user elements of like, hey, like this is going to be like the research module for this. This is going to be this module. Like they're like user elements for the ISS crew that's there. Interesting. Well, if you provide to the International Space Space Station, sorry guys, you get to you get a fixed share of certain user elements and partners can barter or sell any portion of their allocations. Mm -hmm. It's giving very much like I can't think of the it's giving very much risk. It's giving <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know why. Well, don't like, ask me why. I just get that vibe. Right I don't now. know. I don't really get that vibe, but I mean because everything's pretty equitable, especially, I mean, even the crew. So all of the partners, they provide their crew with, the, they have to be qualified, first of all, but they have personnel that could go on there and it's served in an equitable basis. And they all have to sign and approve the code of conduct. And they're responsible for making sure that their crew members follow the code of conduct. So that's one of those things where it's still like jurisdiction and sovereignty, like over your own citizens of like, 
hey, you know, like the U.S. astronaut went and was just being a total jerk and was being super disrespectful and was truly wild and out on the ISS. Like the U.S. is in charge of dealing with that overall. But the, I mean, the astronaut shouldn't have been doing it anyways because they already agreed to the code of conduct. But, you know, things happen. And that is why that provision is in there as well. So then going into kind of just jumping around. So Article 13, talking about communications. So the U.S. and Russia provide the two, quote, primary data relay satellite system space and ground communications networks. Sorry, that was a mouthful for command, control and operations of space station elements, including payloads and other space station communication purposes. So it's a little bit of everything of what they're talking about when it comes to communications. And there really is an emphasis on private prop private proprietary rights and confidentiality of data passing through that communication system. So it's like, hey, you know, if Japan is providing, if Japan is communicating through this communication system, the US shouldn't be like spying on Japan talking about like, oh, hey, like, what are they saying? You know, so that's one of those things that is also a pretty nice to know because they're like, hey, like, this is supposed to be a big collaborative process. We're not going to use this for like spying or something like this is literally all collaborative and research based. Like, I mean, like you had the US and Russia coming together after like the Cold War 10 years later in 1998. So, I mean, like, you know, you're seeing that there, this really is a collaborative process and institution. Yeah. And if you're wondering, if any of you out there are wondering, where do they get the money for this? Who exactly is funding the ISS? Well, you will be happy to know each partner pays in an equitable fashion. So I have to assume the United States puts up a lot of money considering they're the ones running things a bit. Mm -hmm. And going on to article 18, talking about customs and immigration, and it discusses kind of having a somewhat semi-open border with other partners given proper documentation is had as well as duty-free imports and exports of goods and software necessary for the agreement, which like, of course, of course there has to be like some sort of benefit with like imports and exports. So going on to article 19, discussing that exchange of data and goods, all things necessary for the agreement need to be transferred and in, in collaboration and transfer of data is encouraged, but not if it goes against your laws in your own country. And it directly mentions company-to-company -company transfers of data to be encouraged for the partners to facilitate. And direct quote, withdrawal from this agreement by a partner state shall not affect rights or obligations regarding the protection of technical data and goods transferred under this agreement prior to such withdrawal unless otherwise agreed in a withdrawal agreement pursuant to Article 28, end quote. Oh my gosh, that was a mouthful. That was a lot. Hunter, do you want to translate? Yeah, so basically... If you withdraw, it doesn't affect the rights or obligations regarding like you protecting this technical data and the goods transferred. So you can't just go and be like, oh, hey, I'm not a part of this agreement anymore. I can go and hack in and find out like I recorded everything that Japan said that they were sending back. And now since I'm not a part of this agreement, I can just go and listen to everything and just, you know, keep it all for myself. Like, no, like that's not how it works. Like, you still have to continue those obligations. You just don't have to pay for upkeep. You don't have to be sending in modules. You don't have to help with repairs, things like that, of where now you don't have to do that. But in terms of technical data and goods transferred, like, you know, you 
you have already agreed to that. That's something that you do have to keep up with. Is it like a, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Like what you do here stays here. I mean, if you leave, it's kind you, of just it like stays a, there. I, I mean, a little bit, it's kind of just like a, Hey, this is a contract you never fully get out of. That's you not know, ominous where it's like, <laughs> well, I, think of it this way. It's like, if you get married and you sign in a prenup, you sign a NDA and the NDA lasts a lifetime and you get divorced just because you get divorced doesn't stop that NDA from continuing. You already signed the NDA, you know, that was prior to your marriage. So just because you sign this NDA, it, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're divorced now, now you're not complying with that. You know, it's like, that's one of those things that it still stays with you. You still have to comply by that. I'd say that's a good I, I think comparison. That's kind of like the best way that I could describe it. Cause it's kind of like, you know, you, you can't fully ever truly get out of it, but it's just one of those things of where it's like, you can't turn around and be like, oh, well, screw you guys. This is what I'm going to do now, you know? Yes. And I think it's a good comparison. I will say, however, I think a lot of people in the world break NDAs like all the time, which like, that's fine. That's do, what but criminal get, courts are for. You sued, you go to court. Yeah. You go to criminal court, civil court, you know, however it is. And that brings us to Article 22 of criminal jurisdiction. So what would happen if another country were to break the NDA, quote unquote? Obviously, mm -hmm. that's our girl's plane for you guys. But state sovereignty applies with their respective citizens. So it's kind of to each their own. Yeah. So just like we were talking about earlier with the crew and that code of conduct, the same thing applies. It's each state, they're in control of their citizens. You're not going to, it's not like, you're going over to someone else's house and like their parent is like reprimanding you as a kid. Like, you know, if that happened, uh, don't love that. But I know my mom would have been belligerently upset if someone else's parent was like disciplining me. Like, absolutely not. Like, mm -mm. yeah, you're it not going to get charged at the ICC or anything like that. Oh, no. Like mama, mama D, it would not have gone over well. So it's the same thing here where it's like, you know, if a U.S. astronaut is behaving poorly, you're not going to see Canada reprimanding them. Like, they're not like, oh my God, we have to go and reprimand the U.S. guy. Like, no, like, that's not how it works. Like, the U.S. has to reprimand him. So that's kind of, kind of how that one works. And so Article 24, it talks about the Space Station Cooperation Review. And so it begins in 1999, and it goes every three years after that. And it's a meeting where all the partners come together to discuss updates and evolutions of the agreement because they anticipated that there would be a lot of evolutions. They were anticipating technology to evolve. They were anticipating needs to evolve. They were anticipating that there'd be a lot of moving components to the ISS. So they really wanted to go and have all of that kind of figured out. And finally, talking about our last article, which we discussed a little bit earlier, which was the withdrawal. So Article 28, you need at least a year's notice and, again, specifically talks about Canada and their contribution to being essential. No further elaboration. That's, <laughs> I guess, okay, sure. It was we, really funny, like, reading through the agreement and just seeing just, like, yeah, Canada's really essential. That's, like, this is, like, the second time, like, y'all have said this. Like, you, you don't want to go any further with it. Like, it was, just, it just seems so out of place in the agreement it was just really funny to read through like we're obviously going to be putting up the pdf of this treaty and like if y'all want a good laugh like just kind of like go and read through it just like look out for canada and it's just kind of like 
if I was Canada, I'd almost be a little offended because it's like, well, why do you just keep on mentioning me and not even saying like the good stuff? Like, what is this? Like, you're like alluding to the good stuff, but you're not saying it. Like, what's going on? I mean, at least they're getting credit, which going into the annex, we're going to discuss exactly what those elements are, which I asked that question earlier. And thankfully, the annex is here to come through with answers. So what does Canada provide? They have space station infrastructure element, the mobile servicing center, flight elements like the special purpose dexterous manipulator, and the space station unique ground elements. Wish there was a little bit more detail, but honestly, given how they've been describing Canada's contributions, I'm not all that surprised. Yeah. So, I mean, every partner is, they're responsible for space station unique ground elements. So I wasn't, I didn't see a ton of what that really means, but I'm assuming it's like things like launch pads, things like, you know, just like on the ground controls, all of that fun stuff. So Japan, in charge of their own stuff, they have user elements like experiment modules, exposed facilities, experiment logistic modules. They have other flight elements to supply the space station. And then the ESA, they have user elements like a pressurized laboratory. And then they have other flight elements and to reboost the space station. And then you have Russia and the US. They're both providing infrastructure elements, including service and under other modules for Russia. And the United States is including a habitation model. They both have research models, you know, payloads, laboratories. So Russia and the U.S. really providing the bulk of all of this. But that is because they were engaged in the space race to start it out with. So, I mean, they do have the most expertise on it. So it does make sense that it would be the U.S. and Russia really taking on the brunt of the ISS. Very infamous. If there's one thing I learned about the nuclear arms race and the Cold War era, it's definitely, again, nuclear weapons and space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Erica, we alluded to it earlier. So let's talk about what's going on with the whole Russia situation with the ISS, which this is actually why we wanted to do this episode, because we were like, you know, last thing I would have expected, really, but okay. Yes, I think we can all somewhat agree when we say that Russia's a little bit off their rocker with their decisions. A little bit. A little bit. So while it is completely surprising, but also not surprising considering their late, as of late actions, our say is- It's surprising until like you look a little bit more into it and you see exactly what they said. And then you're like, oh, huh. Okay, I get it. I get it now. Because I was really surprised by it at first. Because I'm like, you would think this would be one of the last things that they would do. But then you read into it and you're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Things, things are making sense now. So what is it that we are talking about? And that is the fact that RSA is thinking about calling it quits on the ISS, despite being a major player. And this is somewhat backed up from discussions with about Russia withdrawing from the ISS as quickly as 2024, which is in two years, guys. That's literally two years. But, quote, they but expressed doubts Russia would be evolved through 2030. So no exact timeline on that. But currently, Yuri Borisov is the new head of the RSA, and he took over July 15th after the former head got dismissed by Putin. So... There's got to be an end goal. Like he just took it over and now these comments are coming to light. These these ideas, these notions. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a bit of foreshadowing. And 
previously he was a deputy prime minister and was in charge of areas like defense and space. And this article actually speaks on how he acknowledged that Russia was behind in the satellite manufacturing, but then goes on to talk about how sanctions will continue to impact satellite production. So, I mean, yeah, like I we, mean, they were impacted kind of before like, the like, sanctions. We're, like, like what saying, you... we're stating the obvious at this point. You're already behind. Sanctions, of course, are going to go and put you even further behind. Yeah, like, why are you so worried about it now? Like, why are you like, okay, we're behind, we're going to leave. Like, baby, you were behind before. Mm-hmm. What changed? Oh, yeah, you guys are off your rocker. That's fine. Um, <laughs>, <laughs> laughs nervously. So they, there's even talks about China, how's, how China has outpaced Russia in terms of space, along with America and Europe, which, like, I don't know why that's, like, any surprise to anybody yeah. that I would be like, okay, totally fair. It's just but, one of those things where it's like, you know, they just had like this big signing, like this big like Russia, China, like nothing will ever impact their friendship, like unconditional friendship. And then you're just like, but yeah, China's outpacing us. Like we got to we got to speed up. And it's like, well, that seems a little rivalistic. So it's kind of like the rhetoric is a little it's a little off, but it's really interesting to see. I mean, just as like a China specialist, like this is really interesting to see because it's like, well, what response is this going to get from Chinese space agencies like what what's going to come from this like it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out so but getting into the whole root of you know getting into why Russia is leaving the space station or why there's talks about Russia leaving the space station so ultimately Borisov said that Russia would abide by the rule to give a year's notice and then he also went on to talk about how the withdrawal process could take up to two years and so The article discusses that the Russian Orbital Service Station, which essentially is just going to be a new domestic, like national space station, just for Russia, and how it's going to have its modules start launching sometime after 2028. So they're not going to leave before then. But with that, though, it talks about because the ISS its life is only supposed to go until 2028. It's supposed to be like phased out and done by 2030. Like NASA's like, hey, we think that we can go and have a little bit more for it, blah, blah, blah. Like we think we could get a little bit more use. And like, I mean, it costs $4 billion annually. So that's no no drop in the bucket. That's a fair bit of money. And so Russia's like, well, if it's already going to be out in 2028, why why are we like wasting more time on this? Like we need to make our own that's gonna be able to last that we're gonna have for longer. So like why are we just gonna keep on wasting money here? If this thing's gonna go out of commission, we don't want to just keep wasting time, wasting money, resources, energy. Doesn't make sense. And so Borisov talks about the reason behind wanting to leave is the amount of maintenance that the ISS takes, which ultimately ends up impacting the time that could be spent on research. Like, these astronauts aren't just up there just to float around. Like, they're not up there just to sit in space and twirl, have their fun little air jetpacks, like, you know, have some zero gravity. That's not what they're there for. They're there for research. And so if you're spending all day fixing the little house that you live in, basically, like, you're not going to be able to do as much research. I I agree. Um, and one thing is really glaring and it's a little off topic, just, just a tiny bit. And I just would like to point out that Borisov is talking about the Russian orbital service station. If you look at the initials or the beginning letters that literally spells out Ross, Do, 
Like y'all know Ross, like from friends, Ross from friends. Are we talking about Ross? Like the Walmart version of TJ Maxx? Like no hate to anyone that shops there, but like, I mean. I think it's just like a cute little catchy acronym, you know? Not like NASA. NASA, NASA's cool. NASA's iconic. Uh, Yeah. Like there's t-shirts in Forever 21 with NASA on there. Absolutely. That's how you know that you made it. You're going to tell me a t-shirt there. Are they going to find a cool t-shirt that says Ross on it? Like everyone's going to be like, oh my God, like Ross from Friends. Especially like after like the name, like Ross Cosmos. Like that's so cute. That's so cute. What a, like, what a great brand that sounds like. Like that sounds so adorable. And then you're going to go from Ross Cosmos just to Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Branding is not on, it's not there for me. Yeah. If I were their marketing manager, I would come up with a better (laughs) spiel. I, you know, I see those TikToks of people like, if I were their brand manager, this is how I do it. Rush, I've got tips for you. I won't share those. (laughs) We created our own brand and now we're talking about the Russia space agency brand. Like clearly we're qualified, obviously. Yes. It was very off topic. I just felt like I had to point it out, (laughs) but we can we can go on to our next source now though, talking about why, like, why should we care? Why does this stuff benefit us? Like, what is the big deal about space? Like, why is NASA iconic? I mean, just going into it. So the ISS, like, there's so many different experiments that go on there. It's a lot of scientific research. So there's been medicines that have been evolved on the ISS. You're also seeing a lot of like technology improvements coming from the ISS too. So those right there are just the two biggest ones. There's a bunch of niche little things that have also come out of the ISS, but overall, two of the biggest things are medicine and healthcare has drastically improved because you have a whole new kind of like space and environment space. Haha. So party. Sorry, I did not mean to do that. I hate myself for it. <laughs> but you do have this whole new kind of like arena to go and create these medicines in. You, ha- you don't have the confines of Earth and gravity as much as you do in space. So with that, you're able to kind of go through and do these things that you otherwise wouldn't normally be able to on the Earth's surface. So that helps out drastically. But then also since you're striving to have all this technology really go and help you and be a benefit and an asset to the ISS, it technology evolves from that to be used on Earth too, because you're like, oh, well, hey, there's actually a practical use for this at on Earth. So like one of those things are like robotics and robotic systems and arms that, you know, normally help out in space, go and do things on the space station. They were created for that, but they're also super beneficial to things on the earth. So this article, it talks about GM having kind of those like robotic arms. And so that's just like a couple of the things that are super helpful and why the ISS is so important. And then not to just like keep on going, but one of the biggest things is this was so collaborative. This was such a big feat of collaboration. You had America and Europe teaming up with Russia and then Japan and Canada too. But the two the two really big, the three really big actors here, America and Europe teaming up with Russia for a combined goal, like that, that's huge. That's huge. And I mean, you don't see that every day in diplomacy, but you really saw these countries, they put aside their past and they were like, hey, we all have expertise here. Let's utilize it. And let's really use this as a collaborative process. Yeah. One could say that the collaboration is out of this world. I, I, you know, y'all didn't see it, but I about lost my contacts in the back of my eye sockets from how hard <laughs> I just rolled them. So, I mean, I love you, Erica, but oh my God, <laughs> I, 
I, I love that and hated it so much at the same time. My brain still hasn't comprehended how I fully feel about it yet. But I'll, you'll probably have a text for me at like four in the morning when I would just wake up in a sweat and panic <laughs> and tell you exactly how I feel. Sorry, the aliens told me I had to say that, which brings me to another point that space has impacted the world, which nobody talks about, nobody thinks about, but just pop culturally, the amount of movies, the amount of like memes, like does anybody remember Area 51? Yeah, like there's Star Trek, Star Wars, Area 51 was like a whole thing. People were gathering at the gates for Area 51. Like, absolutely. Like, you know, space has always been such a big thing in pop culture. So E.T. phone home, like that. It's very, I would say minor, obviously technological, medical advancements, great for the world, like truly amazing. Pop culture does make the world go around too. And it really combines cultures together. So the fact that you have like so many cultures all around the world, they're all just so proud of space and the fact that we've traveled to space and, you know, we're seeing all these new pictures coming out from this telescope. Like it's crazy. It's crazy of like how obsessed everybody is with space. Even if you're not like a giant space geek, you're still somehow obsessed with it. I've yet to meet a single person who's like, yeah, I don't really care. I don't know. I don't like it. Absolutely I'm not, not a space geek, but I'm an astrology girly, which relies oh, girl, on the planet. Absolutely. This whole so, podcast is an astrology podcast in disguise. We've actually been putting out episodes based on your zodiac sign. Just yep. kidding. We haven't been. <laughs> Could you imagine though? Oh my God. <laughs> I think that that I, honestly might be like an iconic little idea. We can just do a little mini series. Hunter, your fun. ideas are just. But y'all out are here of this for a brainstorming world. session today. Here we are, out of this world, crazy space we're in, Erica. We're in a whole new headspace. Yes. <laughs> now I've got you doing it. it. I hate it so much, but I think that I think that we've talked everyone's ears off enough. We really wanted to keep this episode a shorter one. We did not I, succeed. I, obviously, we didn't succeed. But I'm blaming Hunter. Space, space is just so iconic. You can't even like. I mean, come on now. Come on. <laughs> I'm blaming Hunter for this one, guys. I didn't get off on any tangents, but it's okay. It's okay. That's why y'all listen to us. It's okay. (laughs) The stars made me do it. Now that we really enjoyed talking, (laughs) we all enjoyed talking with you guys. And obviously the episodes have become longer since you guys have been listening longer and y'all seem to be eating it up. We just keep getting more listeners. Absolutely. I mean, like, thank you guys so much, first of all, but like, it's kind of crazy. Like the, the hot girl nation is truly growing at an exponential rate still. It's it's insane. Yes, but before we guys we talk your guys' ears off even more, we will let you all go and we will see you on the next episode, which will it be a keep it brief, Hunter, or will it be a normal episode? <laughs> you know, we're gonna try for a keep it brief. We're gonna try. We haven't done a keep it brief in a hot minute now. But we've been gonna saying really it's gonna be a keep it brief. brief, and then we like don't do it. Yeah, the last like four episodes, you guys, they were all supposed to be keeper briefs. The last episode was an hour long. Clearly, it's not happening. But obviously, y'all are loving the episode. So we're here for it. We love it. You know, I even had, so I just met a new friend recently. And he was like, he literally was like, hey, put the podcast in my phone. And normally, I don't like bringing up that, you know, I'm on a podcast that, you know, Erica and I have a podcast together. Like, I don't like bringing it up on the first time of meeting anyone you know I'm a white man on a podcast normally I'd be like you get off go away (laughs) I I will say I personally feel like I'm not one of you know the wild ones however I know how it could come off so I'm usually a little you know scared to say 
Erica, he was telling us how he was like, yeah, I feel like I learned a lot. I really enjoyed it. And it was a really good podcast. And I was like, you know what? Thank you. So everybody out there, y'all are the people that really keep us going on this podcast. Like Erica and I love doing this. We do it regardless. But it just makes that satisfaction so much more, especially when you're hearing like people like in person come and tell you or even in some of the comments, like we just got a Facebook message the other day. It was like, hey, like, I really like the podcast. I'm like, you know what? Like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So if you guys ever want to talk to us, submit episode ideas, like we're so into that. Please do. Please do. But, you know, I know that we've been talking your ear off for a hot minute now, so we will absolutely let y'all go. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. We love y'all. The Hot Girl Army. Is it, is it the Hot Girl Army? What are we dubbing y'all? I, that's what y'all need to send in. What do y'all want to be called? What do y'all okay. want to be called? <laughs> we will leave that, leave you guys with that question. Please let us know on our Instagram or our website. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.